This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. I know his brother, I know the Yeah, I got you. I see. I know his brother and I, I know of the father. One of the advantages of Rabbi Tarragon stepping out is that every year he relishes telling me what I said last year, which automatically means I can't repeat it. So if he's not going to be here for some parts of it, yeah, it yeah. we have a chance of repeating it next year. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, so we're going to have to... Um, so I'd like to focus on a point in the parasha, but I think it's something that does have sweeping applications, I guess, in a hashkafa of Torah, and we'll see as we go along. We'll start with Yaakov with the brachas. So it says, Yaakov started first, and Rashi says, first thing he wanted to do is to tell them, when Mashiach will come, what's going to happen? Then the Ruach HaKodesh disappeared, and he said, So Rashi says, he see on and so on. So I'd, I'd like to understand this parish a little bit. You know, when you substitute, when somebody doesn't have sugar, you substitute saccharin. You, you don't substitute butter for sugar, it's got nothing to do with it. In other words, for whatever reason, he's trying to tell him, So, okay, so that's nostalgic, Mirenu. 
So I would expect to hear some substitute. Okay, I don't have it down Benevua, but let's try to guess. L let me try to, to extrapolate or something like that. Don't, don't have that. And all of a sudden, instead of telling Machzayamim, he's going on and giving them a, uh, a whole a bracha, which is quite normal when somebody's dying. It also is not clear in Chazal. It says that he, he got shocked a little bit. He said, oh my gosh, if Ruach HaKodesh is nostalgic, maybe some of the kids are chas pogum. Somebody's not, not a, a maimin. And they all said Shema Yisrael, and he answered Baruch Hashem Kod Machuso. So what was the reason it was nostalgic? It, 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 there's a lacuna there. In other words, we, it's very strange that he prepared himself. He had the Ruach HaKodesh. He obviously felt he didn't know it. It was going to happen, and, and it didn't happen. So why not? We don't have that. I'd also like a little bit to understand, I mean, we shy away from Mashiach-type stuff. Um, that is, unless you belong to certain groups in Kalal Yisrael. But if my chinuch, for certainly, and I believe uh, the chinuch here, is also that Moshiach is a firm emuna, but you don't spend time looking for the simonim and figuring out things and so on and so forth. You, you do what you have to do now, and you know that if you do right, as Rosh Hashiva just spoke, you know, we have to do what we have to do that's good and so on. Nakarish Baruch brings the Yeshua. What was the reason that he's trying to do it? So I'd like to read a Ramban that's almost always skipped. And for two reasons. One is most people have a hard time with the Hebrew. And secondly, people think he's not saying anything. Um, both are bad reasons to skip the Ramban. One is that the Ramban's Hebrew is excruciatingly beautiful, it's exquisitely beautiful, it's, it's extraordinary. And secondly, the Ramban never ever doesn't say anything. It's the last Ramban in the, in the parasha. It's a sort of concluding statement on Sefer Bracious. I'll read the Hebrew, you'll suffer with me a little bit. Um, it's not long, but it's, it's, it's poetry and the, the rhyme is beautiful and the words are beautiful and they are full of extraordinary and deep content. Nishlam Sefer Bracious. Bracious has been concluded. Besipur Divrei Ha'avis with the story of the Ovos. Lehagit Rishonos Vechadoshos to tell us things that were new and primary. Beterem titzmachna belavavos, before they begin to blossom in the hearts. Uleyotsa kol and to the one that created everything primary, Rochevaravos, who is riding the world, the one who is being manning the world. Tehilos Rabbos, great praises. Vehodos levavos and much hodor. And he's the one who sets in motion plots and causes. Megala Mukos opens up deep things, Videos discovers and very uplifted Deos. Motzilar brings to light Hamachshavos the thoughts. Hamolochos Hibederach that has caused me to go in righteous ways, Betoch Nesivos in pathways, Agomachem Tovos. That's the Ramban's end for Parshas Bracious. It's for someone with an ear, it certainly is beautiful, it certainly sounds beautiful, but it seems like one of these nice things you write. The Ramban here is one of the very deep Rambans that are in the Torah. And, and I think talking about it and getting a sense of it will, will extremely, an extremely valuable insight into a lot of what Torah is. Let's start with, um, there's a, a quite a famous Targum Yerushalmi. It's a variation of Targum Yonason, possibly Targum Onkelis. It's one of the famous Targumim. And he teaches Bracious Baralakim. The word Bracious is Bechokhmasa, with Chachma. He's a obviously trying to give a definition of bracious because the word bracious grammatically doesn't quite fit well because bracious needs a smichut. It needs to be the first of what? The beginning of what? In the beginning of what? So he learns bracious means 
with Rashis, which is Chachma. So when we speak of HaKadosh Baruch Hu creating the world with Chachma, what do we mean exactly? I, I, is it, it's a skill set that Rebbe Yisrael had. When, when I speak of somebody and ask about this person, I'd like to take him as an engineer to plan a new city, building, whatever. So I'll ask, is he smart enough? Does he have the knowledge that you need? What, what does it mean about a Kaddish Baruch Hu we say that it was very, he did it with a lot of smarts. Yeah, it was, it was a brilliant move on his part. That's a Sheva of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Bereshis, Bechuchmesa, has the word Chachma and Reishis. Yes, if it's a kind of medrash where you're going completely off course, maybe. But, but how does Reishis and Chachma mean one and the same thing? So let, let's understand when we talk about HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Chachmasa Yisbarach, what do we mean exactly? So... A person can do many things absent-mindedly and kind of offhandedly. I put this down, I took this, some of the stuff we're not even conscious, we just kind of, it's a habit, we do things and so on. So when I ask, what's the idea, why did he throw his stuff, you know, why did he, he came into the room and just threw the thing against the wall. So I could say he was very angry, upset, and he just threw it just getting steam off and throwing it out. Or why the person found, well, he got involved in something else and he forgot and put this down. I can give many psychological explanations for things that you do that, that there's no use in trying to find a cause for it. What did he have in mind when he did it? He didn't have in mind when he did it, but rather it was an expression of something going on in himself, and this is a result of it. When I see an animal doing something, I look at it more like a computer pre-programmed. An animal's programmed to do different things, and it's, it's sort of executing certain programs. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created this world with layers. So for instance, if I look at an amateur business person, and I say, why did he order so much of this stuff? Why is he delaying payment on this or that or whatever? So my answer will be an immediate stimulus. He was in the mood, he walked by, he thought this looks great, and he ordered a hundred of it. He's not paying because probably short on cash. I will always look for some sort of outside stimulus that caused A or B or C. If a person is a tactician, and I look at the person as being somebody who's smart, and he only acts out of chach. I say, okay, there's a plan, there's a strategy, and this is the first piece that's being actualized. This is the piece that is coming to play. So when I look at the events, I say, okay, the plan, the actualization. The plan is abstract, it's in his mind. Sometimes we go a step further and we speak of a concept, a detailed plan, and an actualization. So when we have layers like that, we go from primary layer, abstract, which would be a concept. We then look at the plan. <coughs> And then we finally look at its realization and actualization. Those are three steps we can discern in a person who is a chacham. Ultimately, the more the person is a chacham, the more I will see every single thing that he did and try to understand what was the point of it, what is an expression of, and so on. Gracious bara, bechokmasa doesn't mean what was the skill set HaKadosh Baruch Hu had? Well, he was a very smart fellow and he made the world. It's absurd. We, we don't talk about these things. It's a borderline fear. We don't describe um, skill sets HaKadosh Baruch Hu and so on. What it means, what the Targum means over there is something very different. This world is the second and possibly third layer of what we would call Bria, existence. The first layer was a purpose for the world, a sort of 
how did HaKadosh Baruch Hu want the world to look? And this world that came out is the expression of that idea, of that concept, of that plan. So the Targum, when he says, Breshis Bara Bechokhmasa, means this world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took something called Reishis. Reishis means the primary layer, which is the idea, and it came in effect. Something very similar to a plan for building something. You have a plan that's, we have an idea, I'd like to have a huge mansion built. I then have a plan for it, and then I have the pieces that actually come into place. That's what the Targum means, Bechokhmasa. The Ramban tells us, and this is what the Ramban means in this poem, Torah goes in different halakim. There are strata. When the Ramban speaks about Maisa of a similar bonim, it's not just kind of a neat little gematria of sorts. Whatever you find here, you'll find there. I mean, it kind of a school of some sort. The Ramban means something very different. Just like on a very basic level, we've identified Chachma of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Breishis of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is the divine plan, that plan unfolded itself in layers. And the first layer is called Avos. And then you have a, a, a second layer, which is the, the, the seed of the Avos coming into being. The, um, if I can think of where we see this in the Bria, this is remarkable. And, and yes, the more we open our eyes and understand the world around us, the more we understand things about how Kodesh acts. The concept of a gene is extraordinary. It means that who we are on a basic level is written. The, 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 and, and this is something that is it, it, it's, it's mind-boggling when you think about it. You know, to take, when you cook, and you make different, different um, items, I don't want to say the word chemicals, because, <laughs> yes, you, prefer, you know, uh, um, commercial stuff is mostly chemicals, but when you make a home-fashioned cholent, you take things, and you get a bigger thing out of it. That's nice, but it's thing to thing. When you take a cookbook, and you, and you enact it, you're taking information, plan, idea, and turning it into something physical. That's a major transition. The genes, on the, they don't just, you don't just add pieces. The genes are, they, they are at the level of idea, information. Each gene is, tells, it gives me an instruction how to make a specific chemical that's needed in the body. And we have that written. So our very, very being starts with information, idea, racious. And then it becomes a being, a physical being with hands and feet and, and stuff. The others are the seeds, the DNA. You, we don't see yet Klal Yisrael's fullness, but you see Klal Yisrael's genes. And yes, if you don't know how to read genes, it's absurd. It's just like if somebody were to take a cookbook and say, here, this will make the best cholent. I'll say, you know, I'm willing to toss it into the pot, but I, I doubt that it'll ever create anything good. Maybe in the yeshiva setting, you know, when you're desperate, you ran out of potatoes, maybe a book will also do it. But, but, uh, but um, it's not going to, because I don't get it, that we're talking about information seed I into something. Avos, the Maise Avos are the first layer of Klal Yisrael. When we talk about Avos keeping the Torah and so on, the point is everything that they did was the relationship of what Avos did to what the children became is something of that nature of relationship. It's idea and concept to actualization. And there are steps in that. You know, each step to the next one. It's just like my idea of a mansion is very abstract. My plans are less abstract, but not quite as real as what I built. 
you have a Kaddishpur who's racist, what a Kaddishpur who had in mind for a world. You had the Ovos who carried it in DNA form. They're called Ovos. They, they have in themselves the seed, the sperm, the seed of what's going to be. And then you have the Banim who become what the Ovos carry in them. Those are the stages. Let's look at Rambanik. Nishlam Sefer Breshis, Besipo Divrei Ovos. Sefer Breshis is the story of Ovos. What's the point and the purpose of the story of Ovos? Lehagit Rishonos Vichadoshos, Beterem Titzmach Nobel Vovos. To tell us what the seed looks like, what does the origin look like before it actually flowers and blossoms into being. The study of Rashis is the safer of what the DNA looks like. Beterem Titzmachna Belavovos, Uliotze Kol Rashis Rochava Ravos, Tehilos Rabos Vodosavovos. In understanding a Baruchu's role, a Baruchu is twofold, it has two, two, two parts to what we relate to. He's the Yotzeratius, he's the originator of that plan, of that Beratius we spoke about, and he's Rochi Varovos, he's the one that makes this actualize itself and come to being. That's the God of Ashkacha. So Akarish Baruch is the Bara'olam, and as Akarish Baruch is the Mashgiach, is the Lehagidri Shon, is the, is, is the Yotze Koratius, the Rochi Varovos. The one who plans the plots and the causes, Megala Mukas Vedeos which will reveal a Kaddish Baruch Hu's, um, the, the depth of what his plan was. So, what the Ramban is telling us is that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is giving us the Shrashim, and we we, we, we can't identify the Shrashim, but as we see the thing come into being, then we're able to um, s- understand retroactively what was the Kavana. Like it says, Emek Hevron, you living near Hevron know that Hevron is no Emek. It's Eitz Amuka. It's the, the depth of what Baruch had in mind becomes apparent to us only retroactively. It's the same way no scientist looking at a gene can tell what the gene, I mean, can tell me the, the nature of the chemicals manufacture. What it's going to do, it's the other way around. We have, we take animals that have different features or lack of features. We, we, we look and examine what's common genetically, and we're able to understand the ramifications of, of a missing gene, exogene, etc., and what it manufactures and how it leads to what it is. Hashem starts the world with a very, very deep concept, a, a primary point. The world takes on appearance, physicality, and so on. And by looking at what's around us, we can go back and see what was there. So the derech of HaKadosh Baruch who's coming to us is from the abstract to the concrete. Our understanding is we look at the concrete and we always understand where's it come from and so on. That's what Ramban says. Let's go back to the points we raised over here. Yaakov Avinu is leaving his children. The reason why he wanted to be Megala, the Cates, the, the, the was not, you know, it's like somehow we're drawn always to the occult and the mystic. If you don't know where you're going to, as the great Saint Yogi Berra once said, if you don't know where you're going to, you're going to get there very quickly. The, 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 if we don't know where we're headed to with Avodah Hashem, what are we doing? I mean, yes, we can follow Shukharach, but where are we focused in? So the most natural foci is to do it, to, it is the place where we're going to, the destination. By explaining where the Gula will happen, how the Gula will happen, what is the point of Gula, by going there, we're going to be able to, to realize ourselves. This Ruach HaKadosh was nostalgic. That's not the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it. There's a different way. Each and every person 
has in himself genes. The Rashi says when he gave them the brachas, so Rashi and Ebenezer both say this, he benched every single person with the bracha that was theirs. What does that mean? So Rashi never say almost the same words. Fascinating. He says, because the bracha became niskayim. Whatever he benched them with came to being. So what does that mean? That he was a tzaddik and whatever he told him happened? So it should say something, something of that nature. No. The bracha means Yaakov identified in each shevet what is your nekuda? What's your point? Tap into that point and bring it out. And it, it shows how accurate Yaakov's understanding of Shvatim is that each person, he, what flowered and what blossomed is exactly what came out. That's the Yichim. The, um, I, I want to add something. That's I, I, I mentioned that I think this is a very important, so in a very big picture. And I, I'd like to try to explain something um, about, in a, in a bigger sweep of history, actually. Everybody's familiar that there were two broad schools of interpretation of Torah. There was the called philosophers, for better, uh, like the Rambam, like the Avinezra, like the Radak, and there were the Mekubalim, Ramban, and then the later generations, a lot more, obviously Ramchal, Groh, and Archaim, and so on and so forth. That's a, a sort of division, that a loose division that sort of fits. Um, what is the real difference? Yes, different vocabulary, different terminology, and so on. But but is there a, is there a core difference? And both are Torah. You know, the, the, the Torah comes in, in many panim. But what is, how do we really understand the idea that people ask about the morale, is it Kabbalah? There are no terms of Kabbalah in the morale, but it's impossible not to notice that he was highly influenced and, and he's drawing a lot. I mean, he hints at it sometimes. So what is that difference? Besides the words that you use, besides the sfarm you um, what is a core difference? And I'd like to try to identify it because I think it's important to understand these things. A philosopher starts with here. And I take a look around at the world and I ask myself, what's the best way to build a society from what I have here? The people, the things. Akash Baruch created the world. Here is the world. We start where we are and we ask ourselves, um, where can we go with this? What's the best world we can make? That's one approach. A second approach is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu built into this world um, a, an idea, a concept, and a detailed plan that is meant to be brought out from the world. And everything that happens good is just like if, if I take if, if I take, let's say, a sponge and I water it, it becomes much bigger. It doesn't become much bigger, it becomes much bigger with the water that I filled it with. So I took the sponge that was so small, filled it with a lot of water, and it became bigger because of it. There's actually halachic ramifications about Tum and Tara about it. If something was less than a shear, it became a shear, and, and it, it becomes off, it, it gets on and off. The, the Tum and Tara goes on the shear. Then, I can also water a plant. When you water a plant, you're not adding the water and therefore the seed is so much bigger because you added water like a sponge. You've brought out something from within that's coming out and, and flowering and blossoming and, and this was all latent within it and it's come out. The, the perspective of Kabbalah is HaKadosh Baruch Hu put um, a, a pre-plan in the world a concept that's waiting to come out. And whatever we see is going to be understood in the light of what is it that's coming out from the world. So um, it, 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 on a practical level, of course, everyone, everyone stands by the shaharach, everyone does what you're supposed to do. 
And Torah has both pshatim. Both pshatim are important. You can have one pshat and look at the Torahs. How does this create a society and a good society? And it will it will get you far. Ever Shavshol Hirsch's period is magnificent, and it, and it that's the idea of it. There's a second way of looking at it and saying, what did Akashbaru put in the world? And like the Ramban says, what is coming out and blossoming? It, it's it's an incredibly richer dimension. It also, as as a as as a tachlis, it has a shortcoming because people learn how to parrot words and not meaning in it. And and everything everything that's not learned right can be misleading. There are no there are no there's nothing surefire if a person doesn't have das and seichel and and a rav and so on. But understanding the difference of those two approaches and why there was a certain sense of preference a, a lot for the other, like the Gra and, and, and so on, is because it's, it's looking at things in a more holistic way. We're not starting with the world here. It's like the old time before we understood genes and so on. A person was born with some sort of um, handicap. So, okay, let's see how best we can cope with what we have here. But once we understand where things come from, give us a lot more tools, give us a lot better hand on the situation. What other problems can we expect? You know, and actually, you know, thank God now we can actually start doing some things about it. But still, understanding it. So Yaakov Avinu started, he wanted to focus Yisrael on Tachlis through um, giving a Kates. HaKadosh Baruch took that away not because they were apostle, he, there was no Pesol Nazar. Hashem took away because that's not the derech. The derech was to help them tap into who they are and what they are. And from that, that's what came and blossomed out. That's something I wanted to go through. And I really think this Ramban is, is an incredible Ramban. Besides the, 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 the sublime beauty of it, it's also so much depth. Gedola Rishon did not... Their pen never touched paper for naught. They never, they never drew, they never drew little uh, doodles around. It's not a doodle. Everything. There's a famous introduction of Balamor Ramban in 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 um, in uh, which is studied. Is it's 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 quoted. Everything that they touched, they, there was no waste in them. And this is this is an incredibly important understanding of how we see the different layers. Of Jewish history, how we see what every layer of Jewish history is to be understood. Not only what were the causes at the time, the results, the reactions, the problems, and 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 the um, and and the overcoming of problems. L- looking in retrospect as much as we can, what is unfolding here? What did Akharish Baruch Hu unfold in di- in this segment of history? This segment, this segment of history. Okay, if there's time for questions or whatever it is, I don't know, that's been the custom. Robert uh, you'll, you'll, you'll uh, tell me who's quite whatever it is. Uh. Um, so how did you just interesting, your, your name and where you're from, I just would like to get to. Um, how does the idea, I guess, the planting the seeds of the affect the perspective on the Kira now, where do we stand in all this? If, you know, seeds are planted and eventually. So, um, so let's understand it in two ways. Um, really, down deep, no matter what terminology we use, we'll always come back to Yidi and Bechira, the problem Yidi and Bechira. We, we don't have any possibility of a rational um, way of sort of. Um, what would be the right word for it? We have no rational way of seeing them together, but we can certainly make the boundaries of what's where. We a, no matter how we will use or misuse our bechira, at the end of days, the world will be like kulozakai kulochayev. Hakadosh Baruch Hu will lead us, no matter where we wander off to. We'll be led. Sometimes chasashon forcibly, sometimes with with music, but we'll be led to right place. So in the end of days, certainly there's a reconciliation. Two, we always have the bechira to do or not to do. What we don't have a bechira is to do something other than Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted from us. In other words, we have a choice of putting in 
the round peg in the round hole or not. But the square peg is never fit in the round hole. To make Shevet Levi into Dan or Dan into Levi is not going to work. So we try to understand part of, and the truth is, part of the challenge of Chinuch is to know what the potential of a person is. You want to encourage a person, you want to push a person to realize himself, and a lot of times it's hard to tell, is it just a lack of effort, or is it really not going anywhere? So, so those are the areas in which this type of idea will affect it. Yes? Hi, Ezra Simmons from Cedars, New York. Um, can I try to repeat the, the chalik between uh, the philosophical school of thought and the Kabbalistic school of thought? So a philosophical school of thought understands Torah as the way to make the best of what we have. How does that way, you know, we are living in a world, it, it, Torah comes to a world that looks X. What mitzvahs are there to create the best society out of X? Um, th- so we're starting from the here and now. The here and now could be from the beginning of, of, of time. It could be from anywhere. But that's, so, so when I'm going to ask you for, for the meaning of, of the mitzvahs and Torah, it's to make the best, just like a secular philosophy. A secular philosopher will sit down. Somebody who believes in nothing before the world, just believes the world is as it is. Very existential type approach. We're starting with what is. Okay, now, what's the best we can make of it? And, you know, a thousand one different ideas, but, but that's, that's an approach. And, and it, 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 it certainly is valid. Reb Shanshafal Hirsch's all-encompassing approach to everything in Esfarim is that how Torah and mitzvahs create the ultimately perfect society and how it, it, this actually will affect the world as a whole. That's in a, in a sort of a simple sentence encompassing it. The, um, the Kabbalah starts with the world has in it um, everything, and now the question is, um, how do I view each... Torah Mitzvah is bringing out an idea that's there and just waiting to be put together. It's just like when you buy a kit. It's like the difference when you have a Lego set of the random pieces. So um, do something with it, make it, build it, versus a, a, a kit that already was designed to produce a plane or a ship, and you have, and when you pieces together, it's going to click in. If you do it right, and become a ship or a plane. Th- that's that's the difference in, in approach and perspective. By the way, as a side note, um, just understand some of Shamshafal Hirsch's greatness. He's part of his chinuch was in Hungary, where Kabbalah was, um, you know, in whatever form, Zohar, Kabbalah, and things like that were part of it. In hung in in Germany, even amongst the Haredi Jews. There was something that was sort of outside the bounds. Rav Shamshafal Hirsch, when he wrote Chorev, which is explanation of Torah for the outsider, you know, it's an explanation of, he had, I know this because his grandson, I mean, obviously great, great, great grandson, um, had his notes. He got them from Rav Roya, and he, he had his notes on Chorev. What he did was he listed every single Chazal and every single Zohar, and then he wrote his pirush based on the ideas. He never talks about Kabbalah, never mentions it. It's something that he did not make part of his shita, his, his explanation, because he, he, whatever reason, and, 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 but understand that he himself actually drew from those makoros and felt, and, and you know, part of his chinuch was, was sort of from Hungary, Hungary and Germany, and, Austria was sort of one mishmash in those days. I mean, as, as countries are a modern invention, um, most of the time, you know, so, so his chinuch included a lot of that, and that was part of it. So he did have those makoros, but the way he used it was he wanted to stay true to the source, but to, he wanted to articulate it in a language that does not include it. Yes. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I was wondering if uh, if Shlomo Hamelik, what? Oh, I'm a Kibbutzit from Kiev, New Jersey. If, if Shlomo Hamelik um, really understood the Talmud Torah and understood it in all encompassing nature, um, 
theoretically has built from the Pasman Torah. Um, secondly, is, secondly, do you think that Moshe Rabbeinu knew quantum mechanics or the <laughs> concept of how, how the world would work that Moshe So, okay. First of all, I don't have any reason to believe that in the quantum mechanics. Um, I, I, I don't know why one would need to think so. Let, let's speak about, in, in, there's a fascinating, the, the, um, the Balatanya wrote right somewhere. I, I, I know I saw it for sure because it, it was something that struck me very strongly. I've been looking for it, I haven't found it. It's, it's one of the more random forums. It's, it's, it's either Mamarim Kutsarim or I think it's Colossus that he wrote where he deals with a question, we, we talk about the Greeks and the Yavonim being smart and the epitome of Chachma, v'chulu, v'chulu, v'chulu. We definitely, even his days, he said we have steamboats, I don't know if he had trains yet in his days, steamboats, maybe telegraphs, he had, they had much more things. We are by far technologically more advanced than the Greeks. So why is this, this talk about Chachma, Yavonim, Chachma, Yavonim? That, that was the question he's dealing with. And he answers, Chachma has two directions. One is, what can I do with the things I know? And one is, what is the cause and the root of what I know? It's like the difference between theoretical physics and applied physics. He said, technology is not Chachma. You know, when the Torah speaks of Chachma, the ultimate Chachma is Eitz Hadas Tovera. The ultimate wisdom is what is the right and what is the wrong. Technology, in, the, in, in a Torah perspective, is next. So there is a broad sweep where, like we said before, the Tov and the Ra and the basics will feed into the world. There's a reason why our bodies are built with a symmetry of right-left. It reflects, there's a reason why you have five fingers and five fingers. All of those things sort of flow out of a certain Shorish of Chachma. So, a, the Shlomo Amalas Chachma did seem to be focused more on practical things, the way it's described. But again, the old the Chachma that the Torah respects, the, the, the word Chachma in the Torah is identical with a good person, which certainly would not be true of technology. The Yevanim looked, for, 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 it's, it's interesting, in the early times, philosophy and science were one discipline. And the, again, it's very sweeping what I'm saying, but the idea was that everything in the world has a conceptual reason for being what it is. Um, things that are circular is because circles are perfect if, if figures, and so on. Well, some of the stuff, or much of the stuff, is, hasn't proven itself, and we found out that ellipses are a lot more perfect than circles for certain things, and, and they work better because for whatever reason. Um, you know, it, 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 it's got the advantage over circle in terms of how much area it sweeps and so on. No, not, 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 no, yeah. But the idea, it, they, they searched for the ideas um, and, and, the, and, the, and the thing that they most, the thing that people instinctively felt was wisdom in it is the good and the bad, the right and the wrong. And that's, so Chachma Satoru deals primarily with that. It may or may not be, and, and that's why when people, it, it says, you know, So there's Torah Lishma, and then there's The Torah is primarily focused on the good and the bad, right and wrong. If, could somebody see in that how it manifests itself, Lamaisa? I, I, yes, I, our belief is it will be like that, but it doesn't, there's no axiom to say that either Moshe or Shlomo knew that or had access to it, it, it's really kind of less than important for us. Yeah, sorry. Introduce yourself. My name is Ami Malik from Okay. Um, should uh, people our age familiarize ourselves with Torah and uh, Kabbalah and things of that nature? Um, so, on one level, the answer is no. <laughs> That's, but w for better or for worse, um, Hasidus and those who in turn took from that brought out ideas, 
terminology and so on into the world. So, Hasid, you know, one of the things that Hasidim did that was looked upon kind of with a, with a joint eye, um, you know, telling these people things that are coming from the world of Kabbalah, what is it all about? There's an answer, a classic answer g- given by different people in the world of Hasidus, in the old world. It's In the old days, they used to think that diamonds and precious stones have tremendous medicinal value. That if you grind down a very expensive diamond, they and you mix it and you drink it, you become cured. Today we know we can make medications that are chatchil more expensive than diamonds. You don't have to grind the diamond down. You you, you just uh, you know they'll charge you uh, you know pound for carrot for carrot they'll charge you the same or more. But that was was thought. So they said when the king's son is deathly ill, he will even grind down the 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 the, the stone from his crown. To heal him, so they said it was felt that Klyosrol was there was a malaise. Klyosrol was really, really not well. They needed to be inspired, and even if you're doing something that's not the chatchila, um, let's do it. So they inspired people, uh, and and some of it has great inspirational effect. Let me just explain. So the ideas and terminology that have become part of our understanding um, can, can um, that's, that's our world today Hasidus came, it changed something people like Rav Cook stayed away from using the Kabbalah terms he had his own terminology more current Rav Hutner who in the yeshiva world brought in many of those ideas also he would never mention a Zohar or an Arizal in his public speaking but in his private speaking Rav Shapiro who was my personal Rebbe, I had heard Rav Hutner many times, he was the one who inspired me to look into these things. Rav would speak more open, but by Rav there was no such thing as terminology for the sake of terminology. The two dangers with Kabbalah, two problems, two or three problems are, one, that you learn how to say words that don't mean anything to you. Um, somebody was telling me with Spilus once, he was sitting in a sukkah in Batyongaren, and he heard a father explain to a kid that sukkah's p'china Yaakov was p'china Teferis. And the kid said, what is that? The father said, we don't know what it is, but that's what it is. It's like saying, I've solved for X, X equals Y. And what's Y? It equals Z. That's not terribly helpful, and the problem is you gain, you, you, you get into the mood of thinking that you, you do know something when you're just repeating words and words. That's one. That is sort of my father's Hajjah. My father was Rabbanish Finkel, he was the Mira Shiva. And he did learn Kabbalah, but no one knew about it. And not even the children, you know, not even the son he didn't have any sons. He, he didn't talk about it and wouldn't talk about it. And that was it. He had a Zohar hidden someplace with some Sfarim. I never saw him looking at it. I do know there was somebody he learned with. That's about that's the extent of my knowledge. But we're sitting at a table, and my father was, he was extremely conversational and pleasant. You could talk a lot, but whatever you didn't want to talk about, you couldn't talk to him about it. it the conversation never went there. He was amazing. He was an amazing person in, in his... So we had a guest at the Shabbos, there was a guest Shabbos table, and he asked, how could Yaakov do the trick with Lovin? Isn't it, in effect, stealing sheep from him? So my father asked him, what would you like to say? What's your terrors? So the person smirked, and he was, he was trying to get, I guess, my father going. He heard that I'll be the Nishamis of Klal Yisrael were in those sheep. This, this, it, it does say that. It says. So my father looks at him, poker face, and says, so how is he allowed to steal the sheep from Lovin? <laughs> like, what are you mixing? I mean, if you ask the Shaila and Hilchus Gizela, Nishamis and Gilgulim and all that stuff is not an answer. You, 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 that's not an answer. You can't do that. That's, so one danger is you learn to say things. A second danger in it is you know, there's a certain shalna lecha malrek lecha. There needs to be a certain reverence when a person talks about things that are, you know, shayach to the pnim, and to, to, to do it sort of with the two feet on a table, so to speak, with socks or without socks, and just blast off uh, this sphere, that sphere, the other thing. 
there's something extraordinarily grating about it. Even Baba Basra is grating to do that. Uh, I, I know that um, Rabbi Reingold, who's the other Rebbe, was in Shiva Linton, tells, and Rabbi Gifta walked in once, and he saw somebody learning Kigwege, and he had a, a Coca-Cola bottle next to it. And he went ballistic. With a Coca-Cola bottle, you know, there's a certain sense of, of reverence. It, it's, you know, it, this requires. I'm talking about things that are very adin, very fine. It requires a certain sense of kedusha, and that's it's important because if you don't have that, it takes away from it. You learn to be arrogant, haughty, and you lack in kedusha. Instead of adding kedusha, it takes away from it. You you make it too. It's it's like living with a window facing the koisel. So yes. Um, if you're if you're Madrega, where you can keep looking at the Kaidish, that's extraordinary. But if you're a regular day Joe, that's that's taking away, not adding. Third of all, one of the the main reasons I think why they why they why there was such a barrier against teaching common folk Kabbalah um, was because Kabbalah uses very graphic physical terms. It, 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 when you say HaKadosh Baruch did this because he had to express this midah, the way you're saying those words are borderline fear. HaKadosh Baruch did not have to do anything. It, 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 what's the difference if you say HaKadosh Baruch did it because he was in a bad mood, or HaKadosh Baruch did it because he had to get Netzach and hold out of the way? You, 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 when, you, when you're talking about things like that, and you don't have the sense of we don't talk about a Kaddish Baruch we're only talking about a certain interface. Those are areas, those are reasons why, why there was tremendous reluctance to, 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 to make it public. So um, I guess Hashkacha has it that it's become, terms have come in and they have inspired us. And yes, you know, people, again, from my Bay and people sitting by Raputna's Mamarim um, was extraordinarily uplifting. Ramesh's Torah was very inspiring and uplifting. But the caution remains for the re- for the reasons I told you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I you know yes it was as you said last week and I you may have never heard. Um, like I said it's hard to know where to start from because he was an incredible person he was born in Tel Aviv his father learned in Slabotka Hevron by the Alta he grew up Panovich um, then learned in Hevron for two or three years and and then we got married learned in Yeshiva for a few years he was he used to speak to Briskarov in learning so his, he was extraordinarily rooted in the yeshiva world in terms, I don't mean just mean yeshiva world I mean in terms of his, his basic mindset and understanding of where we start from was Baba Kama you know, like that's, the, the, that's, where, his, that's where he started from this with somewhere along the way he got exposed to something else and he got exposed through his relative, Rev Dessler. He t- this he told me himself. Um, Rev Dessler, Rev Dessler lost his wife in 1951. They needed somebody to be with him. He was distantly related. He was the young. He was 15 years old at the time, and he slept with him for two years. And Rev Dessler opened up a whole new world of Amkus in this chelik of Torah. We'll call it Agatha just because I have no other way to describe it. Rev Deslov was very broad. He looked at all the Chsidish Sfarim, all the Kabbalah Sfarim, everything. He told me that Rev Deslov had three layers of Sfarim in his house, ranging from those that you can display outside to those that, that you have to keep deep inside. Um, and Rev Deslov himself went back and forth. He would, there were times when he quoted other Sfarim, and there were times when he stopped quoting it. And, and I think he, for the reasons we mentioned. Um, so Reb Dessler really gave him an opening that. He also told me that he had, there was a chassidish shtibel near where he lived. The people there had a lot of depth to themselves. He said they were the old time chassidim that came in those days. And he, and he got a lot out of that. Somewhere along the line, he learned, so he, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He, he, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example of something, just what his memory was like. 
when his mother was nifted a few years ago, he, he couldn't make a mincha in a shul. There was a Sephardi shul near him. He stopped in and he asked if he could down for the Amid. No problem. He just asked that Shem Hashem should say with the regular word, they didn't care. He asked them, would you want to have a, um, which Baruch Haleinu, have two Baruchas for, 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 for Baruch Haleinu, for, I don't even remember how it starts, I, I don't, they told him whichever one. He dumped it all about Peh, you know, without a sitter, for the Amit. Um, somebody just told me now, it was at somebody's wedding, a Sephardi boy in Yeshiva, and the lights went out. He turned to the and said, I can't read the Ksuba, can you do it? He said, fine. He read the whole Ksuba Baal Peh. He is an amazing memory, brilliant, very sharp. Um, so he got exposed, he opened up his world to Kabbalah. He was also an avid reader and he read a lot of other things, not on the usual yeshivish menu. Um, read philosophy and other things. He, even science, people say he knew a lot of science, I once sat with him and explained to him how a computer worked. He was a lot more interested in drawing the principles out than the technical details. That was his mindset. That's how he worked. Um, he had an extraordinary command of language and a beautiful way of speaking. What was incredible about his, about his teaching was um, he, it was the structure was extremely seicheldic. In other words, things were laid out in a seder of seichel, but there was a deep regish coming from it. And it's very few people have that. Your late Rosh Hashiva Rabaran had that. He was, he was somebody who, you know, he, he wasn't a dry academic when he spoke. He, he, there was, you know, the difference between an academic who's fixing, in a sense, he's tinkering with plumbing versus somebody who's a soul on fire expressing it through something. Reb Moshe, when he finished Ashmoz, besides, besides the way he opened up an idea and expressed it in a way that he understood it, and besides his command of all pieces, and he could go on, um, it was inspiring because he himself had tremendous regish to it. It was a very, it's, it's, it's hard to explain to somebody else. His breath and ability to understand so many things and so many people. He, I, I, let, me, let me tell you something that three weeks ago inspired me about him. I, I, um, he would sit with, he had about 40 shiurim a week that he gave in everything ranging from Taharis to Hulin, which they learned the Kolo, to tons of different areas in the world of Agada. I'd like that better than Machshava. And he also had a chabura, not one, but a few, but one main chabura, one small chabura that they learned the deepest parts of Kabbalah, of Kisar Rizal, was Thursday nights, like from 11 to 2.30 in the morning. That was the, the title. Fine, that's Reb Moshe. In his last years, one of the things he was very involved with was something called Masorat UD. It was an organization. There are about a million Israeli Yardim world over. About the, the, most of the vast majority in America, any place there's a shopping mall, unfortunately, you'll find a galot. They, they, they're in Los Angeles. They are in Florida, South Florida, Myrtle Beach, Rockville, where we live, close to where we live, and so on. They're about a 90% assimilation rate, Rachman al-Itzlan. And Ramesha sunk himself into helping people create some framework for it. There was a fellow who's very active in it, um, Yoni Grilak who um, they created an organization. So one of the things they do is they have a school that gives, it's a Jewish school for these kids, but treads very lightly. In other words, there's a lot of from inspiration, but the student body is almost 100% from not observant homes, probably Masorati mostly, but even very secular. And Ramesha was invested in it on his deathbed. He asked me, he wanted somebody in America that he could go with. He wanted to go to Los Angeles. He, he very much wanted to energize the American community to care, to give a damn about their Israeli brothers who are there melting away. And so three weeks before I was, I was in Florida for a Shabbos in North Miami Beach to see the Bet Sefer. 
So, you know, next to me is Yaniv from Bet Shan, who's been living, you know, he's only there 10 years, but, you know, any day he's going to go back to Israel. It's a very typical line. That's, that's the stack answer. I could, I could, in Derek Nevu, I can tell you that's what everyone answers. That, that's a, you, uh, 200 kids doing Kabbalat Shabbat, um, and the parents are energized. And and things and he said literally on his deathbed he said I am going there I need to push it and his his wife said you can't go I mean she won she said no and he didn't go he was dying literally um, I want to get a, a story to it because I, I think it, it, the person who runs it there is somebody called Cornfield he's an American Israeli his parents are Americans who who basically I think he was born here you know you grew up an American Israeli in Ramot tremendous about and when they, eight years ago, when they tried to convince him to go, they brought him to Moshe Shapiro. Moshe Shapiro sat a long time and spoke with him. And then he got up to go out. Moshe went ahead and faced him. And he had tears in his eyes. Moshe was a very rational, not an emotional person. He had tears streaming down. And he said, Yehuda, kol yom yotzera kevet la Auschwitz, malay yeladim yudiyim. So, Kisvi Arizal, Thursday night, for two and a half hours, the Oymek Sheba Oymek, something that's if, of those layers that we spoke about, the extract layers, and timeless. What do you mean, you know, Kisvi Arizal, when you're there, you need to do something there. He went, he was in Russia, he used to go almost every Yantif. They asked him why he said Yerushalayim lo tzichimoti, sham tzichimoti. He was very involved in the yeshiva there in France, in South America. He had an ability, he, he could communicate very effectively, both culturally and his language, very precise, very pleasant. That was the person. Um, and much more, I, I was Zohar, I started going to Shurim in 1980, and you know, once I went to America, on and off I would, you know, if I had something very important, I would make it, you know, I would bother him about it. Um, that was, I'll, I'll say my leg on, on a tip of a, of a tongue, but, you know, the, he, 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 so many people in the yeshiva world gained from him, like you spoke about, words, words don't help me any. When somebody just will hack me, this is me, this is a chesed, this is me, this is a din, this is me, this is a net, this is a hoi, this is a I don't gain anything out of it. I'm, I'm, I'm translating X to Y to Z. He explained X in a way that now when I say Y is equal to X, I know what X is and I know what Y is. He had a magnificent way of, of bringing things to light. And, and um, yeah, that's, it's a, I, 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 he didn't have a real official yeshiva, but I think there were more people mushba by him than almost anybody else in the door in terms of shiurim and Torah learning. 40 a week. And that's without counting the people he spoke to and and, and bechulu, bechulu. He, he, he most of the week he never he didn't sleep in a bed. He would sort of conk out on his on his table, and, and that was it. Um, it's an incredible person. He was. Uh, I mean, you can get some tapes of his. Uh, they're in Hebrew, most of it. I mean, um, you can probably get just to hear, you know, the way he expressed, the way he explained, the way he understood it's, it's things that were public that are available. He was a little bit more mayrich. He would re-explain and explain again. He was always wary that people are going to latch onto terminology, and so he tried to re-explain it. So it's a bit lengthy. A share can be an hour and fifteen minutes, also. But but at least to hear the way he gave over things was was incredible. Anything else? Just a little bit short time. And another question, or, or yes, what's your name? What? Saltinek. Sometimes it's very difficult to see like, the inherent unity of Machshava, given how diverse and large it is. Something like, what, what's a good depth for seeing how unified Machshava is, and also realizing the nuances in it? That's a very insightful question. I must say, I'm, it's it's uh, it's a good point. Um, I guess, in like in any discipline, when you start. With pieces, with the pieces, it's harder to see the bigger picture. That's just the nature of it. Um, w as you get more pieces clicking into place, you begin to see a bigger picture. It's true also when you look at different different sperm, very different vocabulary, very different language. 
And at first, it's really hard to see um, that there's a common point. With time, especially if, if, if you're astute enough, where you look at something and you try to put it into your words and your understanding, you try to understand the nuance of, of that expression, it, at some point, I think you begin to see where these are two ways of expressing the same idea. There's, there's no, I don't think there's a shortcut to it. Um, you need to be first familiar with each. And, and you know, going back to like Ramesh Shapiro, Ramesh Shapiro could say things in different languages. And um, th that was one of the things that was incredible. He, that's why he was able to effectively communicate with people from many different worlds, because he could understand how the idea <coughs> expresses itself in a different culture, in a different world. So, so it takes a learning a lot. It takes mulling over and thinking about it and trying to get a picture of things. I think that's helpful. But, but the question itself, as posed, it says that a shaylos chacham is a chatzit tshuva. The fact that you your sense of that is is meaningful. Okay, it's been very nice spending time here and batzlacha, everybody.